Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. The Atlanta Braves are your World Series champions. Robert Murray was there. The Baseball Insiders at long last starts right now. Welcome to the Baseball Insiders podcast with Mark Carmen and Robert Murray. Hank Aaron wasn't there. Phil Negro wasn't there, but they were there in spirit, baby. Freddie Freeman, Chipper Jones, Tom Glavin, the Atlanta Braves. Kind of unbelievable, Robert Murray, that they only won one with the incredible crew, 1995, and somehow, some way, the 2021 Braves improbably get it done. Uh, congratulations, by the way, on covering your first ever World Series. Thank you, thank you. That was the coolest experience of my life. Like I can't even put into words how cool that was. Like I, I'm not kidding you. Like game one was kind of just eh, but game two, like the way that game played out, I had nonstop goosebumps and like butterflies. It was, it was simply remarkable. So, and you covered the middle three games, correct? Yep, correct. Games three through five, and like. Th- like the first two games, they were not very suspenseful. And like all the writers were complaining about how kind of boring they were. Um, and then three through five were, were basically like as good as it gets. Well, last night was pretty good, but uh, three through five, I, I cannot complain at all for my first World Series experience. I mean, we are very much professionals on this podcast. And, and the last time I was at a World Series game was game seven, 2016 uh, Cubs Indians, perhaps the greatest game in World Series history, at least uh, from a Cub fan standpoint. You were that there? Was, I, I was. I was. I was. Uh, I was in Cleveland for games six and seven and at Wrigley for three, four, and five. Wow. Uh, uh, one of the great calm coverage moments in coverage moments history here after the Cubbies won it. I, you know, most of the media, real quick, they all went down to get in the Cub locker room in the eighth inning because the game was over, right? It was a 6-3 lead. They were four outs away. Nobody was on. And then Joe Madden, Joe Madden again. And I love Joe Madden, but he managed that World Series horrendously as far as strategy. Isn't the mentality that he had on the Cubs to get over 108 years elite? Strategy, taking out Kyle Hendricks and then taking out John Lester, just horrendous if we want to go back that far. But all the media was down there. I stayed up because... I knew somehow that Rajay Davis was going to hit a two-run homer and that there would be a 17-minute rain delay and that Kyle Schwarber was going to lead off the 10th with a hit and Ben Zobris was going to hit an 0-2 pitch down the left field line. Uh, not that I'm remembering this, uh, you know, like, like, I, like I didn't watch the 2016 Cubs video this morning after five years. But uh, all the Cubs – so I go down there, game's over, Cubs have won, right? The, the line to get in the Cubs clubhouse is from here – to back to Chicago, right? And so I'm like, I can't be the last guy that gets in. I got to do something. So I walked behind home plate where there was like some club seats, like maybe I could do something here. That wasn't going to work. So then I went to the Indian side. And as I get there, they start moving the Cleveland media into the clubhouse. So I just get in the back of the line and they all go in the clubhouse and I just walked right onto the field. And so I'm standing there. No Chicago media is there. 
I'm the first one, and I'm looking up at 15,000 Cub fans who had the, just the, the moment of their lives, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is my opportunity. Not only the fact that I'm just standing here and looking at, uh, you know, it's a cool moment, right? But, like, who can I talk to? And the only people down there were like Bill Murray and John Cusack. And I, there was no way to really capitalize on the, the genius of my reporting uh, strategies. But yeah, so at any rate, uh, speaking of that, highlights of being in Houston, any, any, any nuggets that you picked up along the way that just stand out? Um, so I'll start off with my Chipotle experience. I, I, I got to throw this in there. Um, I ended up, I was down there for four days and I went to Chipotle five different times. Um, and knowing how I can put down food, my typical order was uh, two double steak burritos per sitting, um, which I don't recommend that for people back at home. Like that's uh, not safe for work. I think that's what it's called or uh, the NSFW. Yeah. Um, But uh, yeah, we ended up surviving that. Um, I'm basically full of Chipotle at this point still, but (laughs) (laughs) I like, just being down there, you got to like, I picked up the sense right away while I was there that the Astros were going to extend Dusty Baker, no matter um, what was going on uh, or no matter the result of the series, I should say. Um, and there was a report today from Bob Nightingale of USA Today that they're expected to extend him a contract. And I've gotten those same indications on my end, even though they have not done so quite yet as of this recording. Um, and also, it seems like there was universal praise for the job that Alex Anthopoulos did at the deadline. Uh, what he did acquiring those four players and those four players being Jorge Soler, Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall, and Jock Peterson, that it it's not only saved their season, but it won them the world series because they would not have gotten to that point without those four. Yeah, and we've talked about this, but just for somebody who's just uh, listening to the baseball insiders for the first time, what was his mindset at that point? So you, you lose Ronald Acuna, who was literally the MVP of baseball at that point. We're in the middle of July. The Braves are at are a 500 baseball team. Mm-hmm. Most general managers are not doing that. So did he send – and also you had the Dodgers. You, you had the Padres at the time who were rolling. You had a – you, even even a Brewers team, I suppose, maybe that's a little stretching it. But you had a pretty good National League that you can be like, look, man, maybe we could get in, but we're not going to do anything in the playoffs. I mean, that would have been the normal mindset, and he didn't have that. No, he didn't. And the nugget that I ended up picking up out there, even though Anthopolis was not there, he actually tested positive for COVID during the series. So he was not there. But um, Anthopolis, in his conversations with the Cubs, when he was trying to acquire Jock Peterson, he was up front with them that he wanted to get a deal done like at that moment, like with, he did not want to wait. And he even communicated to the Cubs that he'd pay more to get a deal done, which is why they ended up getting Peterson at that point. They wanted to send a message to that clubhouse that they were not giving up on that team. And I know I've said this on previous podcasts, but if even after acquiring Peterson, if they did not gain any ground or if they fell back even further, um, they were prepared to trade Peterson to a different team and just, just call it. Um, and then like they ended up going or they did really well and they ended up acquiring those three others. And, and here we are today. So, so remind me on the order, remind our diehard or first time baseball insider listeners on it went Peterson. Then do you remember the chron- chronology of it? 
I don't remember who her two and three were, but I remember Jorge Soler was the last because I got the text at the trade deadline at like 305 saying that Soler was saying goodbye to his teammates in the Royals clubhouse and that he had just been traded to the Braves. And there was a lot of shock there. And then I got it confirmed and I tweeted it and everybody was just like, holy shit. Like you just don't expect Jorge Soler to get traded at 305 after the deadline. But yeah, like that. Okay. His home run last night, that was an absolute missile. Like he hit that, he pimped it. So I knew he hit it a far, like a long ways, but he hit it out of the stadium, Carm. Like who, they, Albert Pujols does that. Right, right. And I mean, Jorge's had trouble staying healthy in his career, but he has not had trouble hitting the baseball a long way, which will flash back to he is the first Cub of that mm-hmm. group to actually now win multiple World Series. Hasn't happened for Rizzo, Brian, Schwarber, any of them, but Soler has. People forget that he was even on that team. Yeah. Uh, and Jorge Soler in the 2015 playoffs was out of his skull. He could do every time he came to the plate, he was getting a hit. But uh, he, it, it, just rewinding back to that, the Cubs win the World Series. They're all on the field. It's winding down. I'm literally talking to everybody I can talk to. And Rob Zastrizny, who was a left-handed reliever, who wasn't on the roster in the World Series but was in the NLCS, he's sitting on the ground at his locker with Bud Light cans around him, actually the the foam, the the aluminum bottles. And so, I mean, I'm talking to everybody. I'm like, you want to hang? And he's like, come, come sit down. So I got on the ground of the clubhouse, just stretched out the feet, the whole thing. I got a picture of it. And me and, and me and Rob just hung out. I'm like, dude, what is it? You know, you're, you're just sitting here. You're, you're a rookie and you, you got to pitch some and you just won the world series. I mean, what's it like how, being a part of this group? And he just gave some great answers about how he was welcome to the team and how just amazing it was and how he was, it was emotional for him, even though he has, wasn't here for, for 10 years. And so then I'm looking on Twitter uh, last night and Zaz Trisney is, is tweeting at Solaire to bring it back in. I remember when Jorge hit one off of me that went that far in the minors and he came up and apologized to me afterwards. <laughs> Cause like, I think he felt <laughs> Solaire, I guess felt bad that he had like impacted Zaz Trisney's career in a bad way. But so, I mean, he's been doing this for a long time, Jorge Soler. It's, that's, that's always been a thing for him. Yeah, like, and he when he hits the ball, he hits it. a it's, it's missiles, and it goes a very long way. And, like, the fact that he apologized to him after hitting that dinger, um, <laughs> that just adds to the legend of Jorge Soler. And he's a free agent at the end of the year, by the way. He's going to end up getting a very nice contract. Like he, he made himself a lot of money this postseason. I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Would that have been your vote for MVP if you had one? Yeah, like I, I thought about it last night, and I thought about Austin Riley, and it wouldn't have been him. I thought about Freddie Freeman. You can kind of make the case for him. Like there, You could also make the case for like the Astros, or not the Astros, but the Braves' bullpen as a, as a whole, but like you can't do that. And like the MVP, I tweeted this last night, and there was a lot of people who actually agreed with me. It was Their MVP is Alex Anthopoulos. Like the that deadline, it it won in the World Series. Um, but if if I had a vote, I would have been a hundred percent Jorge Soler. I mean, you, you could definitely make an argument. I think a a, a pretty good one uh, for Tyler Matzik, just for the entire playoffs. I mean, the guy was unbelievable. Of course, he gave up a run in the World Series uh, in Game One, but that was uh, you know. Um, bottom line is that they won that game, but I, you know, you know, I'll, I'll give you an off the board pick here. 
and he did not pitch well in his first game. But the way last night started, you get two runners on, and somehow, some way, Max Freed, who people thought were going to get roped last night, I know you did, and I, I certainly would have been surprised either. He rebounds in the first inning and then and has an incredible performance. So I don't know, man. That series goes to seven. I like the Astros at home with all that momentum. So you can't really give him the MVP, but that performance last night, considering everything on the line and the stress that it started with, he he, he gets a gold star. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And like I'll even admit, like you just you said it, but I I thought Freed was gonna get rocked. Um and the start of that game with two runners on and then having his foot stomped on at first base, I, they had a, the, the writing was on the wall for him to get shelled and be out of the game after maybe two or three innings and then having to go to a Braves bullpen that was already gassed. The fact that he ended up going that deep into the game, I don't think he allowed a base runner after the first inning, um, which is against that lineup is, is incredible. Um, so if you would ended up performing a little bit better in the, in that first game, and I think there would have been a very strong case for him to be the MVP, but, um, but like that, that game last night was about as clutch as it gets and any conception or any perception that he was not a big game pitcher is now over. Like nobody's going to think that. Cause like there is not a bigger stage than that. And he came through. He had his buddy uh, who he pitched with in high school, Lucas Giolito, was in the crowd of your Chicago White Sox. I mean, yeah, Jack not, Flaherty, too. And Jack Flaherty, too. And I mean, this is the biggest pressure packed game you can have. So I guess nothing added on to it matters. But I was just kind of thinking, do you really want to have two stud pitchers sitting in the stands who are your best buddies to even throw even more on it? Like, hey, pal. You sucked in game two, but you know, I, I, I just was like, wouldn't you kind of like want to dial it down? But like, hey, there, guys, love you, but I don't really need you in the stands here. By the way, it would it wouldn't bother me if you didn't even watch the game because, yeah, this is, you know, no, I totally know what you're saying. I, I, if I was in his shoes, I would not want anybody I know watching that game because, I, like, I know how I am. If I know, if I have people, even if they're family watching something that I do, I become more nervous and it's just, I, I just can't handle it. Um, right. But right. Uh, like, I know Jeff Passan over at ESPN, he said that Ian Anderson had, he pitches with, with a very large set. Um, yeah. Max Freed has the same thing. Like, like that he pitched with a huge set last night and like I tip my cap because there are not like there's pitchers in that series. I can't name names um, who were affected by, crowd noise um throughout the postseason and i found it really interesting just to hear from the like from the player's perspective just how much an opposing crowd can impact players but um it's a legit thing and it yesterday in a very hostile environment did not impact freed one bit he was as cool as a cucumber yeah and i was wondering like okay we're going back to houston but on the other side of it like the 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 astros bullpen was in shambles there and I think if Lance McCullough doesn't get hurt, McCullough doesn't get hurt, this is a different series, clearly. I mean, that was a, the, the biggest injury of the postseason by far. Uh, so, and I, I think if you ran this series back 100 times and McCullough is healthy, I think the Astros win it probably 75 times. Like that, like, but 
that's not how this happens. You you play it in 2021, and, and the Braves got it done. Everyone's talking about Freddie Freeman and whether or not he's going to be back. What do you know about that? I went into that series believing there was a very real chance that he was going to return. I left it even more convinced that he's going back. Uh, like there is no way whatsoever the Braves can justify Freeman leaving. Um, and like the people that you talk to at the Braves, they leave it open-ended, like whether or not he's going to return, which I mean, they have to just because the deal is not done yet. Um, but if they ended up letting Freeman leave, they are going to get bashed, especially coming off of a World Series championship. Like Freeman has made it abundantly clear that he wants to return. And he'll eventually he'll get that deal that he wants. I would look for a deal close to Paul Goldschmidt's deal that he ended up signing a, a few years ago. Um, I can't remember the exact terms off the top of my head. But a theory that I've heard from numerous different baseball people is that the Braves might be reluctant to give him a big extension because Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies' deals are so low and they don't want to show up those players who are going to be franchise cornerstones by giving somebody significantly more money. And I Freeman deserves it, of course, but like that's something that baseball people believe the Braves people that I talked to, they, they were not willing to go that far, but I'll, I'll give you one team to watch for if Freeman ends up leaving the, the Braves or if he ends up hitting free agency, which all indications are that he will is the Los Angeles Angels. Um, he fits exactly what they're looking for. They need a first baseman. Um, and like Artie Marino is not afraid to spend any money. I know they need pitching and they're going to prioritize pitching, but I think Freeman makes a lot of sense for the Angels. But at the end of the day, he's going back to the Braves, I think. I'm pretty what confident. Do you th- assuming that he – and Goldschmidt's contract was five years and $130 million, so call it $26 million a year uh, roughly. Since you said that the Angels are looking for a first baseman and I'm doing the Cubs math here, you got Joe Madden out there, you got Anthony Rizzo. Could you see that happening? I know he's interested. He's, he said Yankees, but that would make sense to me logically. Yeah, I, I think that would end up being a logical fit. I don't know exactly how likely it is. Um, I kind of got mixed messages when I when I was digging around about that during the regular season, so I'll have to check. But I, I, I think the fit makes sense on paper, but I'm not – totally convinced that's a realistic option at this point what do you think going back to Astros Braves and specifically the Astros on this one what do you what do you see for Carlos Correa he's gone um he is like they the Astros offer him an extension during the regular or uh, right before the regular season started and it was really low and both sides basically were at the point where like, okay, this is probably going to be our, our last stance. I know that phrase gets thrown around a lot, but it's the truth in this case. Um, and after the game last night, Correa told Stephanie Epstein of Sports Illustrated that he's no longer an Astro. And when you hear a player say that, like, he, he's gone. Um, and Correa, he's going to have a very strong market this winter. Um, and he's going to get, He's probably going to seek a deal worth over $300 million. And you would expect the Yankees to be in play because they're going to be looking at any shortstop. That's going to be a monster upgrade there. Corey Seager is the name to watch there, by the way. That There was a lot of buzz about that at the at the World Series. Um, but I, I think Correa is as good as gone at this point. Who do you think is more sought after between Correa and Seager? I'll go with Correa. I think Seager is a better player. Um I, I, I think he presents a lot of upside, but something that he has that Correa doesn't is a very vast injury history. 
He underwent Tommy John surgery a few years ago. He dealt with a bunch of different injuries this year. He's got more injuries under his belt too in previous seasons. And Correa, for the most part, has stayed relatively healthy. That being said, he also has a sign-stealing scandal hanging over his head, which that's going to – he's going to have to answer some questions. Um, but I, I think, yeah. I, 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 could that, see that play, I could see that playing out in a different way. Hey, tell us what you did. Maybe we can do something similar. Like I, I don't rule out that any team in baseball would be looking to get at least somewhere close to the edge that they believe the Astros had, which at one point in time they certainly did, but some people think they're still doing it. No, there's a lot of people who think they're still doing it. And the Astros, they deny it. They're adamant about denying it. Um, and there's going to be that paranoia surrounding the Astros for a lot more years to come. I, 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 I understand what you're saying, too, about teams asking Correa, like, hey, like, let's do something similar here. Like, what, do you, what did you guys do? Um, like, teams are always looking for competitive advantages. But if the Astros got, like, the Astros got a ton of heat. And if another team gets caught doing what the Astros did, they are going to get ridiculed. Like the Astros penalties were harsh, but that team is going to risk losing everything. I don't know. Yeah, if it's- And just to impale my point, I, I don't think Carlos Correa would be wild about that conversation in any, in, at any point in time. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. Like that, that would be, I think that would be like a, Whoa. Okay. Like let's, yeah, that would be, it would be an interesting conversation for sure. So so you're betting Yankees with Craig, I keep on hearing the Yankees and it's like, if the Yankees want to be in, then they're not going to get outbid. And then players at the end of the day, they rarely say, Oh, I have my heart more over here, even though the Yankees are offering me call it 25 million more. Yeah. I, I think Seager is a more likely target for them. I think, or I think he's a more realistic option. I should say. Um, in terms of, I think Seager ends up with the Yankees, uh, is my guess. I, like, I've been trying to figure out where Correa ends up. You have the, like, a team that I could see pursuing a shortstop is the Philadelphia Phillies. I know they have D.D. Gregorius under contract, but you could see them end up trying to maybe, like, do something different with his contract, maybe try to shed it in order to sign a big-name free agent shortstop. Um but I, like, I've been trying to figure out exactly who the fit is for Correa. I've kind of come up empty, but I still think there's going to be a couple teams out there who are um, who are, are very strongly going to be in on him for sure. I mean, I've heard the Cubs a zillion times. Why are you not saying Chicago? I just don't know if they're in a position to do it. I, I understand they've been connected to him a lot, but does it like, okay, so let's let's put you in the Cubs shoes here. You shed all all that contract or all those contracts at the trade deadline. And then you immediately sign Carlos Correa or any other big name player for $300 million. And when he's got hardly any pieces around him, like, would you do that? I wouldn't, but the way the Cubs are looking at it, I think on some level is we have some of the highest ticket prices in baseball. We, are not interested in doing another full-scale rebuild, mainly because of that, throwing the pandemic and massive losses like the pandemic hurt the Cubs as bad as it hurt any team in baseball because of the amount of people that flock to Wrigley Field and they rely on that income. And they've got all sorts of debt around different buildings they've bought up and everything else in the neighborhood. So I, when you're, when you're looking at a guy like Correa, who is an incredible leader, plays a premium position, 
is in the prime of his career. Yeah. I, 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 I don't see them shying away from that. I mean, I don't think they'll get in a bidding war, which is why, like, if the Yankees are there, I think I think he'll go to New York. But if you're telling me that New York goes for Seager and there is an opportunity to get at least in the Cubs' mind some value with that guy, I think they'd be right there. No, I, I, I like when you put it like that, I totally see your point. Um, and I'm like Jed Hoyer's already indicated that he's going to spend a lot of money this winter. And like, there's no better way of spending a lot of money than by signing Carlos Correa. I'm just consider me skeptical that they just go all in with that. Um, and man. So the Tigers are they're closing in on a deal with Tucker Barnhart, the catcher from the Reds. Um, I've been sitting on that, waiting for permission to report it, and he just scooped it. So, um, let's, not great. Let, let, let's go behind the scenes on that. What, if you have something, our baseball insider Robert Murray, king yep. of the world, has info all the time. You won't report it until your source will be like, "Hey, yes, you can report this." No, you'll never jump on it. That's and that's how you sort of. That's one of the keys to Robert Murray's building your relationship network. Yeah, exactly. Is uh, so. Let's say I have something like a, a team or whoever is going to end up telling me, like, "Hey, we're we, this is in the works. Um, don't report it quite yet, but we'll keep you in the loop." And when you're told that, you have to keep it close to the vest, and you have to like trust this person to do it because, it, like, more often than not, they will keep you in the loop on what's like on as soon as it's ready to be reported, they'll let you know. Um, but in, so let's say that I ended up getting that information and they tell me to hold it, but I end up reporting it or sharing it somewhere and it gets back to them. Like they're never going to talk to you again. And it's a matter of, of trust as a matter of that relationship. And like those guys trusting me not to do anything with it. Um, but I'll never, like I've never personally reported something when I've not been given permission to do it. Like I'll actually make sure, um, just so I'm on the same page because you never want to have a lapse in communication. And um, I mean, sometimes you ended up um, sometimes you end up getting scooped and that's okay. But like, I also got to realize that I'm just getting started with this and I'm going to be dealing with these people for probably the next 40 years. So. Hey, I, I love the angle. Long-term, long-term, long-term one Tucker Barnhart, John Heyman is not going to make or break Robert Murray. However, Will you now text your source and be like, yo, John Heyman got this. Uh, I wish it would have been me. Would, will you do that? No, I will not. I'll, uh, I'll just probably end up sending it to him and just saying, hey, I got out. And they'll, uh, they'll probably end up apologizing or something. And it'll, it'll keep me in the loop for the next one. Hopefully something bigger. So fingers right. crossed for that. There we go. That's how we play it. Hey, it right. got out. Yeah, it got a, out. Just a little shot of guilt but I know you're going to hook me up down the line because I'm Robert Murray. All right. I like a little behind the scenes here. Uh, all right. So let's see here. We we've got Correa on the move. We don't know where we've got Seager on the move. You don't think he's going back to LA? Good is gone. Uh, and I, now? I, I just got a text that I can report it. So there we go. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Wait, wait, what did you end up asking? I asked uh, we have we have Seeger on the move. You don't think he's going back to LA? Are you ruling out the Dodgers? I'm not going to rule out the Dodgers. Um, I think they're going to end up being interested in in Seager, but a return for him is unlikely because of the presence of Trey Turner. 
uh, they have Turner under contract for this year and they can just slide him over to shortstop and second base would be kind of a question mark because Chris Taylor's a free agent too. And he's probably going to end up getting a, a multi-year deal worth probably 14 or so million bucks a year. Um, and you can also move Gavin Lux to second base too. That's another option that move Ballinger over to center field. They, the, the Dodgers, by the way, they expect Ballinger to be better next year. They expect him to be quite a bit better just because he'll be a full year removed from his surgery on his shoulder. Um, and they're holding out hope for that. But um, I, I think Seager is is more than likely gone in L.A. And like that market is going to get expensive. I remember during the season, Ken Rosenthal ended up writing something that he could get as much as three hundred and seventy million bucks a year or not a year, but like total. Um that was a high amount of money. And if he stayed healthy, I actually think he would have gotten that, but I would expect it to be less than that, but maybe more than uh, Francisco Lindor's 341. What, what do you see for just keeping it Braves and Astros? What do you think? What do you see for Jock Peterson? I think he's, I, I think they're going to end up being interested in, in resigning Peterson. Um, but I, I would imagine he's going to end up getting, something more lucrative this winter than he ended up getting last year, just because he ended up having, I think it was the white Sox who were in on him and he ended up passing on a more lucrative deal with them, holding out hope for a, a bigger offer in free agency. And it didn't come and he ended up signing something smaller with the, with the Cubs. So um, I don't know exactly what that deal looked like, but it's going to end up being more than what he ended up getting this year. I wonder if the White Sox regret not making a move for Peterson when they could have and putting him in right field. Because they signed know. Adam Eaton instead of him, right? Oh, well, the Adam Eaton thing was a complete disaster. It made, absolutely, bad. made, made no sense. But I'm talking about it in the middle of uh, the season. You could have gotten you could have gotten Jock from the Cubs. They, they already they made well, two two other deals. I mean, let's go. Let's go for let's things like to come in threes. Uh, speaking of the White Sox, by the way, who do you see? Do you see them in on anybody for right field in the offseason? Any outfielders? I don't know. Charlie Blackman is a name. Kyle Schwarber is a name. Uh, Nick Castellanos might be on the move, too. Any of those make sense? Yeah, Castellanos is going to opt out of his contract with the Reds. Like that, that's going to happen. And like John Heyman has been all over that reporting that, that he's going to opt out. Um, and he's going to get a very lucrative multi-year deal. Like he, he's been excellent um, for the Reds in the, ever since signing with them a couple of years ago. Um, hey, Andrew McCutcheon is a guy who's probably not going to be back in Philadelphia next year. Charlie Blackman is going to um, – he, he's more than likely going to opt into his contract with the Rockies. So he's going to be off the board with them. Um, and Schwarber? You, mentioned, you mentioned Kyle Schwarber before. He's, he's, I don't think he's going to return to the Red Sox. Like that's my gut feel uh, based on the conversations that I've had. Um, I've mentioned the Brewers on this pod before I've mentioned the Orioles and I've mentioned there's another team that I mentioned, but it wasn't the White Sox. And I, I could absolutely see the White Sox being in play to bring Schwarber back to Chicago with just with a different team. Um, Cause having a guy like Schwarber in the lineup paired with all those other young hitters that they have, um, like he gives them credibility in that clubhouse. And that's, I mean, they have it of course, but like with a young team, you can't have too much credibility and he's still an ascending player. He was fantastic this year with, with the nationals and the Red Sox power hitter as a world series. He's got playoff history, world series experience. Um, 
I, I don't know exactly where he ranks on their list of targets, but I just know that he makes a lot of sense, and I could absolutely see the White Sox being in play for Schwarber when free agency opens. The baseball insiders will be on it all offseason long. If news breaks, we may do a podcast on the fly. Of course, we're going to be with you each week. And Robert Murray, this has been a fun end of the season. Your phone is dung at 7,000 times during this pod. Anything you want to release as we say goodbye? There's going to be a lot of deals, um, perhaps with a smaller variety um, and at the start, but look for teams to look to extend some of their guys uh, that they have on the roster right now. I, you could end up seeing players being pretty open to it just with the CBA uncertainty and wanting to have that, that security with their finances, but I, I'm getting very strong indications like in this moment that extension talks are going to be pretty prevalent throughout the league. All right. And just I'll wrap up with the White Sox. Uh, Rick Hahn, their general manager, has not spoken since uh, the offseason and their disappointing loss to the Astros has happened. So I, I do want I think I I anticipate the White Sox are going to have a very, very busy offseason trying to get over the hump and be in that World Series uh, in 2022, which I don't know how many days it is to opening day, but whatever it is, it's too much. Baseball will miss you, but the hot stove will continue. Congratulations on covering your first world series and brother. Yeah, brother. Uh, And thank you very much for listening to the baseball insiders today. We appreciate everybody who gives a rating and or a review reviews uh, is the gold standard. And we really, really, really appreciate all that as we continue to uh, build the baseball insiders podcast. Thank you to fan sided for supporting this endeavor. Uh, Robert, great job. Good to see you, brother. This is our, let's see here. One, two, three, four, five. This is episode six, brother. We are six wow. deep. Look at six that. Hey, only going up from here, my friend. Hopefully we end up getting scoops on, uh, on the pot here. Like the way this is rolling right now. Um, if we probably extended another half hour, it might, <laughs> we may have a chance of doing that. That's what Twitter is for. And, uh, and we'll, we will of course reconvene here. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day. Go Braves. Congratulations. Way to go, Alex Lantopoulos. Get uh, Alex, get healthy. And uh, Jorge Soler, you're the MVP, buddy. You're right there with Robert Murray. <laughs> no, he's right there with Carl. We got we to gotta clear that one. Oh, don't thank you so much. We'll see you next time.